And so this morning, I'm going to actually kind of pick up from what Jesse talked about last time. If you weren't here last week, he talked about spiritual hunger and how we need to be hungry for God. And he said that if you fill up on, on food in, in the physical, if you fill up, you're not hungry anymore. You're full. But in the spirit, it doesn't work like that. If you feed on Jesus and fill up on Jesus, you don't become full. You actually become hungrier, become more hungry for the ways of God. And if you're not hungry for God, then there's two reasons. He said, it's either because, one, you're just sick. You're sick spiritually and you don't want to eat any of, of, of spiritual food. And the other th- reason is because you've been feasting on lesser foods. You've been feasting and s- just snacking on, on other things that when you get to this wonderful turkey dinner, you're like, oh, I'm, I was eating all these snacks all day. Now I'm not hungry for this real meal. And so that's what can happen in our lives. And so as we kind of move on to that, we're hungry for Jesus. We want more of Jesus. Okay, what are we going to do? What are we going to do about that? And so this message is, is going to be taken from Peter's life, and it's going to be called Moving from Believing to Following. And I know many of us in, me, in my own life growing up in this Christian culture that we're just believers in God. We think, yeah, God is real. And we have this kind of agreement, and we have this mental assent. We're like, yes, I believe that. But then we don't actually follow or live it out. And so we're going to look at that, and we're going to, we're going to look at Jesus' words, his last words and uh, to his disciples in Matthew 28. And it says this, Jesus is about to leave, he's about to ascend to heaven, and he says, this is a common verse that we all know, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always at the end of the age. Now what I want to highlight out uh, from this section, from this passage, is the word disciples. That word, uh, Matthaet, to, Matthea or to in Greek, um, it actually means followers, someone who follows the instructions and the precepts of the rabbi. And so, you know, in this Jewish culture, Jesus was the rabbi, which means teacher, and his disciples were followers. They actually literally followed him in his physical steps and then also in what he taught, in his precepts and in his instructions. And so we are to be those followers, and to go make followers. And so this is our job, not just to believe and go, oh yeah, Jesus is good, and I, and I believe, and I agree with him, but to actually follow him. And there's a difference. And so we're going to talk about that difference. Um, in James chapter 2, it says that even the demons believe and they tremble. And so what is that? And this is the message version. It kind of puts it in a, in a, a sarcastic almost. It's kind of like, are you like, Let's just read it. It says, Do I hear you professing to believe in the one and only God, but then observe you complacently sitting back as if you had done something wonderful? That's just great. Demons do that. But what good does it do to them? What good does it do them? Use your heads. Do you suppose for a minute that you can cut faith and works in two and not end up with a corpse in your hands? Uh, I like the way it kind of just, it really drives it home, the message version here. But it's saying, even the demons believe. So you just believe in God. That's fantastic. That's wonderful. But, but then what? You, your faith and your works have to go together. And so we're going to look at Peter's life as we, as we go through here and see what can Peter teach us uh, from Matthew chapter 14. And this is the story of Jesus walking on water. And I'll read the whole section. It'll be a, a big mouthful. And then we'll kind of go back and, and dissect a bit. It says this, Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dispersed the crowds. And after he sent the crowds away, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. 
Meanwhile, the boat already far from land was taking a beating from the waves because the wind was against it. As the night was ending, Jesus came to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking in the water, they were terrified and said, It's a ghost, and cried out with fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, Have courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, order me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind, he became afraid, and starting to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You have little faith. Why did you doubt? When they went up into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. After they had crossed over, they came to the land at Gennesaret. When the people there recognized him, they sent word into all the surrounding area, and they brought all their sick to him. They begged him if they could only touch the edge of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. And so as we look at this section, uh, we're going to go back and kind of go through the whole thing again. And so here it starts in verse 22. Uh, the first verse I want to highlight, highlight is verse 23. It says, After he sent the crowds away, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. And we, when evening came, he was there alone. So this is what Jesus does. He's ministering to the crowds. They're all around him. He's full of compassion. He's pouring out compassion. He's teaching them. He's healing them. He's giving and giving and giving. He's pouring himself out. And so Jesus needs recharge. He needs to go back to the Father. He needs to go back and get a word from his heavenly Father. And so he goes up to the mountain. He goes somewhere where he can be alone. He's somewhere in solitude, somewhere where there's no distractions. He can receive from God. And so he goes to get a word from God. And the next verse, 24. Meanwhile, the boat, already far from land, was taking a beating from the waves because the wind was against it. As the night was ending, Jesus came to them walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking in the water, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost, and they cried out with fear. And I think that's a totally normal response. If, if you're out, just imagine um, out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, and these wind, this wind, it's in the middle of the night. It's between, uh, it, says the, it says the fourth watch. This version just says as the night was ending. But the fourth watch is between 4 a.m. and 6 a.m. And so it's really late, and, and they're beating against the wind. It was common that uh, storms, sudden storms, would sweep across the Sea of Galilee. So as this was happening, they're kind of fearing for their lives. And all of a sudden they look out, and there's a figure walking toward them in the water, I'd be terrible, you'd, you know, you'd be freaked out. Like, what is that? I, I don't know what's going on. It's a goat. And so all this fear is coming up. And it's Jesus. And so he says to them, um, when well, the disciples saw they were afraid, verse 27, but immediately Jesus spoke to them. So he sees they're fearful. He sees what's going on. And he speaks calmness over them. He says, don't worry, it is I. Now this is really interesting. Have courage, it is I. That, that literally, it is I can be translated, I am, which is, sounds a lot like God's self-revelation in Exodus 3.14 when Moses is, is with God and, and Moses is, is supposed to go and lead the Israelites out of Egypt. And Moses says, but who shall I say is sending me? Who shall I say is, is talking to me? And he said, I am who I am. 
and his revelation of himself is, it sounds a little bit cryptic, doesn't it? It's not really clear. Um, but in the Hebrew grammar, it could also be translated, I was who I was, I am who I am, or I will be who I will be. And so there's this eternality of God's existence, that he is, that he doesn't need any other definition, that we don't need to label him or put him in a box. We can't do that. We can't just name him and say that's who he is. We actually don't know the name of God, believe it or not. We know a lot of descriptions about him. He is good and he's true and he's faithful, he's wonderful, he's counselor, he's healer, he's provider, he's all of these things. But that's not his, that's not his name. We think his name is Yahweh, but all we have is the consonants. We just added the vowels in. Um, and so don't, we, we literally don't know the exact name of God. And the, the Jews did that a long time ago, just out of respect. And so even today, Orthodox Jews, they'll write God, G slash or hyphen D. They don't actually spell the whole name, just out of respect. Um, and so Jesus is saying, it is I, I am. I think that would bring a lot of just, okay, this is God himself walking in the water. And so they, they uh, are commanded, do not be afraid. And we'll go to verse 28. And it says, Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, order me to walk, to come to you on the water. Now this is amazing. So Peter sees, okay, Jesus, if this is you, I want a word from you. So Peter goes out and he goes, I want to hear a word from God. Jesus says, that's you, order me to come. Jesus says, come. And as soon as Peter gets out of the boat, he starts to do the impossible. He starts to walk on water. Now, this is interesting. There's a lot of miracles in the Bible. And even some of them involve water. Moses parting the Red Sea, uh, Joshua parting the, um, the J- River Jordan. Um, Elijah and Elisha both did miracles to do with water. But then there's only one of whom it is said that he hovered over the face of the waters. And that goes back to Genesis 1 verse 2. When God was creating the earth, it says that he hovered over the face of the waters. And now Jesus is walking in the waters. And now Jesus is inviting Peter to walk in the water. And I think that is such an interesting thing that Jesus is inviting Peter into this blessing that is only God can do this, into this impossible task to partner with him. Hey, come and join me walking on the water. And that's what he's asking of us, to come and join him in the impossible task. Like, how amazing is that? And so Peter's heart is, Jesus, what's your word? What, what do you want to say to me? What, what are you telling me? I want to be where you are. I want to go where you're going. If that is you, tell me to come. And I think that's what we need to do in our lives. And go, God, if that is you, give me a word. Let me know that's you, that I can, that I can try and obey it and follow it and see what's going to happen. What's going to happen when I obey the word of the Lord? Verse 29, so he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. What a beautiful thing. And you know, you will never really know Jesus until you try and follow him. You will never really know him until you try and follow him. And this is what Peter does. If it's you, Jesus, 
I'm going to try and follow you and see what happens. And when it is Jesus, the impossible happens. It's an amazing thing. And so you'll never really know Jesus until you try and follow him. Verse 30 says, But when he saw the strong wind, he became afraid. And starting to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You of little faith, why did you doubt? Now this section, section, I think it's important to ask, what is faith? What is faith? And there's kind of two ideas. A lot of people, especially in the world, they think Christians believe in something called blind faith, which is faith without thinking. It's literally, it's blind faith. That's a good description. (laughs) And that's not what Christians believe at all. Christians don't believe in blind faith. Our faith is predicated, it's built upon thinking and reasoning and evidence and experience. And so faith is actually putting your trust in a person. It's committing your trust to a person, saying God is trustworthy. He's worthy of my trust. So that's what Christian faith is. And just to give a little story of, uh, that I heard, an illustration, to explain the difference between faith and doubt and, and what Peter is doing here, why he sank. I heard this example of um, a guy had a lipoma, which is a little fatty tissue under the skin. And so he went to the doctor. The doctor checked it out said, yep, it's a lipoma. It takes, you know, five minutes. I can do it with my eyes closed. Simple surgery. You know, no problems. It's, it's a really easy thing. Uh, lots of people have them. I've done lots of these. And so the guy goes, okay, yeah, I believe you. This is a, you're a doctor. You've done lots of this. It's going to be simple. You know, it'll be a, an easy thing. So he goes away, and eventually his appointment comes up to get the, the, the lipoma removed. So he goes back to the doctor, and he sits in the chair. And all of a sudden, he sees the scalpel. And he's like, oh, <laughs> that looks sharp. And he sees, you know, the doctor's white robe and he starts to smell the smells of the hospital and the sterilizing stuff and he's starting to get freaked out. But is, is he getting freaked out? Is he, he's starting to doubt what the doctor said earlier. He said that it's not going to be a problem. I've done lots of these. It's a simple procedure. He's starting to doubt all of that. Why? Not based on any logical reasoning, not based on what the doctor said, but based on what he saw. He allowed what he saw in the scalpel and the, the, he allowed those fears to start casting seeds of doubt in the faith of the, the, the words that the doctor spoke. And so our faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says we walk by faith, not by sight. And so we don't need to get distracted by the winds that come along, by the lies that want to cast doubts, by just looking at a scalpel or looking at you know, the smells of the hospital that's starting to cast doubts, those aren't from uh, any sort of reason or logical understanding. It's because he saw those things and he allowed those to, to speak in. And so doubt is actually having faith in something else. Doubt is an alternative belief. So instead of believing the words of the doctor, now he's starting to believe what he sees. And he's allowing that to take front place. And so this is what Peter does. When he saw it says right there, when he saw the strong wind, he became afraid. And he allowed that to dictate over top of what Jesus said. I am Jesus, come. And he started coming. He started walking on water. And it was going well. And then he saw the wind. And he thought that, I believe this wind is going to sink me. Instead of believing Jesus is going to let me walk on water. 
And so he traded his beliefs. And so he started, instead of having faith in Jesus, he started having faith in the wind. And that's called doubt. And so that's what's happening here. And so we don't have blind faith. Verse 32. When they went up in the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. I think in that moment when you see that he's not only walking on water, God is the one who hovered over the face of the deep. Peter comes out. Peter starts sinking. Jesus grabs him. He calms the wind. All of this is going, nobody can do this but God himself. And yet this is a person. Jesus is a human being, and they, they said, you are truly the Son of God. And so they had that revelation in that moment. And after they crossed, um, verse 34, after they crossed over, they came to land at Gennesaret. And when the people there recognized him, they sent word into all the surrounding area, and they brought all their sick to him. They begged him if they could only touch the edge of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. And so there's a lot, I think, that we could bring out of this story. There's a lot that's been preached on before about this story, but I want to highlight those three things. First of all, Jesus walking in the water, and Peter gets a word. It's the first thing that happens. Peter gets a word. Lord, if that's you, tell me to come. So Peter gets a word from God. The second thing that happens is uh, that Peter tries to follow Jesus. He actually gets out of the boat. And that's something that we all need to do. The third thing is the wind. He sees the wind. There's a distraction that comes along. There's a lie, and it feeds that doubt, believing in something other than what God said, and it's not based on on logic. It's based on what he saw. And so this is what happened. And so uh, we're going to talk a little bit more now about the difference between believing, being a believer, and being a follower. What is it like to be a believer, and what is it like to be a follower? And here's a little sketch that I, I drew out. Believers is all about the head knowledge, about what I know in my head. Uh, it's knowledge-based discipleship that leads to Phariseeism. That, that means that uh, you just believe what you know is going to save you and, and how you do your works is going to save you instead of uh, knowing Jesus himself. Uh, and so there's just agreement, there's mental sense, like, yeah, I believe, yeah, yeah, it's good, it's true. But your life doesn't follow out. And so a follower is someone who based uh, their relationship with Jesus on experiential knowledge. So they've gone out to try to obey Jesus, to get a word. And even if that word looks silly, like walking on water, that you do it and you take Jesus at his word. And so that's a little bit of the difference and I'm going to talk in my own life. There's this verse that I thought of. It's from 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 8, verse 1. And it says this, Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. And I know that for me in my own life, I value knowledge. And it's because, um, well, for a lot of reasons, but partly because I'm a people pleaser. I like to uh, get attention from others. And I like to be able to be smart and, and look so I can look down on others. Go, I know more than you. So I can be better than others. So I can put other people below me. Believe it or not, I actually do that. <laughs> um, and it's, it's sad. But that's the reality. And it's an easy trap to fall into because I value knowledge. And it says knowledge puffs up. And the idea in the Greek there is that it's actually a balloon that's just beginning to, to, to expand with air. And so there's nothing in it. It's completely empty. 
but it looks big, but it's empty. And that love builds up. And the idea there is uh, is like erecting a building. It's actually a foundation. There's something solid on which to build your life. And so in my own life, I've gone, yeah, yeah, it's about, man, it's about what you know. And man, you're dumb. That's silly. And and putting other people down instead of that uh, following Jesus is about laying your own life down. Uh, and so that's kind of how, how it's been for me. And I was raised in a Christian home. I was raised in this Christian culture where, you know, I think I was even baptized before I came out of the womb. And, you know, I started praying before I could speak and things like that. And uh, I, li- I, I listened to salty tapes um, when I went to sleep at night. And I memorized scripture all the time. And, you know, I watched all the McGee and Me video series. That was before VeggieTales. <laughs> I did all of these things as a, as a young kid and I thought oh yeah this is good I'm in the right spot you know but it was all belief it was all in my head it wasn't actually following Jesus and I got to the point where I noticed there was a difference when I was 19 years old I went to YWAM which is a Christian missions organization and I met hundreds of young people my age who were desperate to get a word from God and obey it even if it was silly and so I grew up in this environment of Christian people who were um, very avid believers. And a lot of them were believers, and they were good believers, and some of them were followers, but I didn't have a lot of that modeled for me, following Jesus, getting a word from him, obeying that, even when it looks silly. Um, and so I remember this time when I was in Mozambique and Africa, and we were on an outreach team. There was a group of 11 of us, and we got together and we started praying for the day, God, what do you want us to do? You know, and we were, we were young and we were dumb and we had no idea what we were doing. We were just raw. We weren't, you know, we weren't really educated. There was nothing going on. We were young kids. Like the, the youngest one was like 18 and then like the oldest one was like 23 and then there was one 40-year-old. <laughs> yeah, at that time I thought that was old. Not anymore. <laughs> but this this ragtag group of us came together and we were just like, God, what do you, what do you, what do you want to say to us today? And we didn't, we didn't know what was going to happen. We were just raw. We didn't know anything. And we just, okay, God, what do you, what do you want to say? And people started getting the weirdest things. You know, some people saw some color red. Some people saw a picture of a person over here. And what stuck out to me, I remember this one story. Someone saw, um, actually quite a few people got the word paint and got the word white paint. And I was like, that is just so, like, God, what are we going to do with that? That is so ridiculous. And, um, and so we went out as a group that day into the village, and we were walking around. We are praying, Lord, you gave us all these words. What does that mean? And as we were walking, we came uh, to this building that's scaffolding all around it, and it was being painted white. <laughs> and I, I was just surprised. I was like, what? Wow. This actually happened. <laughs> God gave us a word, and, and here we are. And so we didn't know what to do. We thought, let's just go in and see what happens. And so we walked into the building, and it turned out to be um, like a pediatric ward where all these babies were. And it was amazing how uh, some, of the, some of the babies looked okay. They were, I mean, they were all sick because it was a hospital for babies. And some of the babies looked, it was just unbelievable. Like, I don't even know if there was barely any life left. Like, they were so sick and, and malnutrition and, or premature, all of these things. 
it was just broke our hearts. And so we, were, we talked to the staff at the hospital, and they were very welcoming, and we got to pray over them. And we just went room to room and praying over all the babies in this hospital. And it just became such a blessing and such a unique experience that we would never have had that experience if we didn't stop and go, God, what are you saying? Where are you going today? Where do you want to lead us today? White paint? It doesn't make any sense to me. And so we go. And you know what? One of the biggest challenges in my life for this is that I just doubt um, God's word in my life. I doubt God's direction in my life. Like, God, is that really you? And um, I know one of the things you can do, if you've heard um, the Hearing God series that we did a couple of months ago, Jesse did, uh, did a great sermon on how do you know if it's God? How do you know if God's speaking to you? And so uh, if you want to refresh or you didn't hear that one, you can go back and listen to that. Uh, but like uh, one of the stories I think back to is Joshua and the story of Jericho. And, and he's commanded by God to go take this city and it's got walls all around it, super high walls. And God's word, God's military uh, strategy is go and march around it. Actually, you, all the military, you stay back. The priests will march around it and then blow their trumpet. And it's like, that doesn't make any sense. What kind of military strategy is that? I'm going to walk around the walls and blow a trumpet? White paint? What? <laughs> it's like, it doesn't, and you know what I found is that uh, sometimes God will offend our minds to get to our hearts. He does that. He thwarts the wisdom of the wise. He, and in Corinthians, Paul says, not many of you were of noble birth, but God's doing something amazing in you. And look at even Jesus' life. He's born in a manger, lowly, not even in a, in a, a hospital or a bed or a home, just out in an animal stall. And look at what God does with that. It's so amazing. <laughs> Um, and so I remember another story of just getting, getting a word from, from the Lord. And I'll share this story from Dan Shannon. He's my friend that's going to be speaking Catalyst, and he's supposed to be speaking here. So I'll share this story on his behalf. Um, <laughs> one time, he was in an airport in Brazil, and he knows that he had a lot of hours of travel ahead of him. And so he goes out and he goes, Lord, you know, I'm going to pray this verse. So he starts praying Psalm 5.3 says, Lord, in the morning you will hear me. In the morning I'll present my case to you and then wait expectantly for an answer. So he's in the airport, Brazil, this different country, no, you know, doesn't know the language, doesn't know anybody there, just waiting for all these flights ahead of him. And he's praying this, God, I'm just going to wait expectantly for your answer, for what you're going to do today. And he starts talking to this lady in line and they talk and he's able to share a bit what he's doing and, and about Jesus and she shares a bit what she's doing and, and finds out that She's the Dalai Lama's sister. And that she um, opens up the relationship, opens up hospitality to him, just gives him favor and invites him out to Dharamsala, India, um, where the Dalai Lama's in refugee from Tibet because uh, they're, they're, the Chinese government's taken over them. And so he went out there with a few of his friends and he started teaching some of the monks and teaching them about Jesus. He was able to teach the Dalai Lama's nephews and nieces English. Like just the favor that came just from, God, what do you want to do today? God, I'm going to wait expectantly for an answer today. And God brought this. Like it, it's amazing. He's actually going to go back this June and July uh, and he's going to stay in the Dalai Lama's secretary's house with his family. Um, and so, yeah, he's the God of the impossible. 
<laughs> and uh, so it's just an amazing thing. And, and for me, in my own life, I, did, I try to walk this out as well, and, it, and it's hard. I don't know, you know exactly how to do it, but I go, God, I'm just, I got to prepare these sermons. God, where should, should I prepare at home, or should I prepare in a coffee shop, or what? And I just felt like God said, prepare in a coffee shop, because I want you to be around people. And I know for me, logically, I was like, okay, distraction, not getting anything done, you know. <laughs> uh, but it's God's, it's God's word. I'm just going to trust him. And so I just met this guy at the coffee shop, Brandon. And he's from uh, Edmonton, and he's just seeking the Lord, or he's seeking something. He doesn't know he's seeking the Lord, but he is. And uh, so we've just been able to have these amazing conversations, and he's been to Alpha before, so he, he had a lot of questions about the Bible and it just totally opened up this, this whole new uh, relationship that I wouldn't have had before. And that I can speak into his life and speak value and try to answer his questions and, and help him on his journey. And he's, he's taught me things too. And so it's just, just great back and forth. And I've kind of been, been opened up to a lot of the regulars there at the coffee shop. Um, and so it's this neat kind of in that I have now because I got a word from the Lord to go to coffee shop to prepare to do my work. Um, another thing that just happened the other day, I got the, my big truck, I'm driving deliveries, it's a five ton, it's like 30 feet long, and it's in Robson there near Castlegar, and there's a driveway kind of like this, I'm coming down the driveway, and I've got to kind of do a U-turn to get back on the highway, and as I come down the driveway, when I turn, uh, my tires come down this little uh, ledge here, a little bit of a bank, <laughs> and so my back end gets hung up on the driveway, and I'm totally stuck. The truck is literally straight across the highway. <laughs> There's a little, little room on the shoulder for one car to pass. And so I'm just totally stuck. I don't know what to do. Chris was with me, and we're, we're working there. And Chris doesn't miss a beat. He's up to the neighbors grabbing shovels. So we get shovels, and we start digging the back. We're going to dig the back out. And clink, <laughs> hit a rock. It's all solid rock. We can't get the truck out. Uh, the, so the tires are like this much off the ground. You know, there's zero traction. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't know what to do. I go over the bank and grab some rocks. And this guy comes along and stops the car and he sees me doing this. And he's like, I have issue with you taking my neighbor's rocks. I'm like, oh, I'll put them back. Don't worry, it's okay. <laughs> so he was very upset about that. But I go to put the rocks under the tires to, to see if I can get some traction. And again, there was nothing just zero. Uh, and so I was like, what do we do here? God, what do I do? And I just felt like he said, wait. And the guy, the guy there, he's offered, do you want me to call a tow truck? And I was just like, no, let's just wait. Uh, even though that's, why would you wait? <laughs> to block more traffic? Um, and, uh, and so there's this kid up on the bank, actually the, the kid who owns the, the rocks that I was taking. <laughs> <laughs> And he goes and gets his dad. He's like, my dad has a tractor. He's got a backhoe. And so he comes down just super nice. It was, like, it was almost like if an angel could be a person, it was like him. He was that nice. He just had that appearance. And so he comes down with his tractor, gives me three pushes, and I, and I, and I drop down off the rock and, and able to get out. It just felt like, yeah, I just felt like God said, wait. And I texted Cheryl, pray for me, I'm stuck. <laughs> uh, yeah, she didn't know how I was stuck. Um, so yeah, there's just these little things. I'm going, God, what's your word? Give me a word today 
And you know what? I, just to confess, I want to be better at that. I want to be able to get up in the morning and go, God, what's your word for me today? What do you have for me today? That I could just wait expectantly for your answer. That you could bring your favor on me today because when I actually step out and, and try to follow Jesus, that's where I get to know him. That's where I get to experience him. That's where the real rubber of Christianity meets the road of life. And you get to see what happens. You get to see God do the impossible. And so it's, it's amazing. And, and another thing is that we, it, being a follower, you have to be bold. And it's probably not very well known, but boldness is one of the biggest prayers in the New Testament. One of the most common prayers in the New Testament is a prayer for boldness. God, give me boldness, willing to initiate, willing to get out there and, and just get a word and just do it, even if it seems really silly to me. Um, and so what we got to do is uh, believers stay in the boat and followers get out. That's the difference. And so that's how you can kind of, uh, it's a litmus test. See how you're, you're doing that. Right? Am, I, am I just kind of chickening out? Am I, am I staying in the boat? Or am I, Jesus, is that you? If that's you, I'm going to try this and see what happens. And so what we need to do here is we need to do a few things. One, identify your boat. For Peter, Jesus says, come, get out of the boat. So what is your boat or what is your word from God? What is God telling you to do? And you know, he could be saying to you, get out of that relationship. He could be saying, get out of that mindset. He could be saying, um, get out of that conversation. I don't want you to be slandering. He said, get out of your house. Get out in the world. Start being me to people. He could be saying, uh, get out of your comfort zone. He could be saying all of these. What is he saying to you? Maybe he's saying to get into something. You know? So that's what you have to determine. Identify your boat. What's God saying? And then try. All right, God, if that's you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to obey. I'm going to do it. I'm going to see what happens. That's the experience of Christianity right there. And you will never really know Jesus unless you try to follow him. And so that's what we must do. And your response to his conviction determines your life outcome. And so how are you going to live in response to God's word? And then the last thing is identify the wind. That wind comes along, you see it. It casts seeds of doubt that it is stronger than what God said. What is the lie? What is the distraction? It's going to come along. And you might falter. You might, just like Peter, he started sinking. That can happen, especially when you start taking chances and you start jumping out on a limb and you start going, God, if that's you, I don't know. It sounds crazy, but I'm going to do it. And you're probably going to sink sometimes. That's okay. The first thing Jesus did is reach out and grab Peter. It's okay. Then he says, you have little faith. Correction. Put your faith in me. Right? So you're probably going to sink, but that's okay. What is that lie? And then come against it. And so let's do that as we go to prayer. Just, just wait on the Lord. What's he speaking to you? Identify your boat. Then just try it. Then identify that lie. It's going to come along. Satan's going to want to sink you. But you can, uh, you can reach out and grab Jesus' hand because it's there. So let's just wait on him for a second. Then there's going to be prayer afterwards. If you want prayer for anything specific or just anything in general, or you just need prayer, just come on up. We're, we're going to pray for you. There'll be people up here. Carl, will you be up here? And, uh, and I can be up here and anyone else. Lyle will be up here.
So I'll just give a second. Let's just listen to the Lord. Wait expectantly for an answer, and I'll pray to close.